there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-themed podcasts. We are thrilled and honored that you've taken the time to download Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast with myself, John Boccasino, and my colleague and good friend, Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, good morning, buddy. Buddy, here we are. It's Thanksgiving week. We've got two games coming up. The snow is falling. So many storylines this week, huh? As 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 anyone who has paid attention to anything on social media or the news uh, knows, Jamie, we've gotten some snow up here in the fair western New York region. As of 9.30 this morning, the lake effect snowstorm of November 2022 has dumped. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. 77 inches of snow. <laughs> On our fair city of Orchard Park, New York. How about that? That's bigger than your goiter. (laughs) Hey, I'm working on that. (laughs) I like my salty snacks. (laughs) It's insane, Jamie. I mean, it literally, and the Bills, to a credit, the team's social media has really been winning the day with all of their posts of how snowy things have been. This is a reminder that, As much as we love our Buffalo Bills football team, it was never going to be a game played in this weather. Snow football is awesome. It's fun. It's a a great visual product. Lord knows we all had a blast at the Snowvertime game between the Bills and Colts in 2017. But this was a safety issue, and there is no way you can justify to me why the team and why the county should spend their precious resources clearing off private parking lots and Highmark Stadium parking lots when there's hospitals and fire departments and emergency personnel that are snowed in. This was a thousand percent the right call for the team to move the game. And I'm sorry if it costs Buffalo home field advantage for this week. This is one of those cases where safety trumps football. I I agree with that. When you look at all the videos and images that are out there of people who are stuck on the road because they didn't get off the road quickly enough, I know that there is a school of thought that by tomorrow things would be cleared up, but I mean, the mayor of Buffalo, and I believe Plonkart said, is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, Pulling cars. Pulling cars, wow. Uh, (laughs) Mark Polencar is the Erie County executive. I I am not doing well today. Um, (laughs) I still uh, love you, buddy. They are saying that side streets are not going to be plowed until at least Monday. So that gives you some insight as to whether or not people would even be able to make it to the stadium. There is. and, and, And what's crazy about Buffalo is you can be on the north side and the south side, the north town and south town, and have completely different weather and different snowfall. This lake effect snow is now making its way towards the Buffalo region. There's a travel ban that's in place currently. So yeah, there's no way that we were going to be able to get this game off uh, at Highmark Stadium. And you know, Jamie, the really interesting nugget about all of this, uh, 
the Bills move in their game versus the Cleveland Browns to Ford Field in Detroit. It's the second time in the last eight years. Uh, this also happened November of 2014, also right around Thanksgiving. The Bills had to move their game versus the New York Jets uh, to Detroit's uh, Ford Field for that game. Um, the last time, Jamie, that the Bills had a massive snowstorm uh, like this where a game was played in the snow, Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback of those Indianapolis Colts in 2017. He's also the starter on Sunday for the Browns versus the Bills. How's that for some crazy synergy? Yeah, how about that? Seriously. I I, I love it. Uh, and, and I love that Jacoby Brissett is starting because, well, the alternative would be Deshaun Watson being reinstated, who has a better track record as a QB, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think we're catching Cleveland at the right time. I also want to say, too, that, um, you know, with a dynamic rushing attack that the Browns have with Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt, you would much rather play them in a dome than in a snowy atmosphere. Because as we recall from that last Snowvertime game with the Colts, Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy ran absolutely wild. The running back and the ground game has an edge thoroughly in snow yes. and so again this is before it got to the epic levels of 77 inches but i was worried about the bills run defense outdoors in a, a snow game like this i'm still worried about the bills defense stopping the run in a dome but i feel a little better about buffalo's defensive chances and the offense getting on track too because the bills have been struggling to run the ball outside of josh allen so that carryover effect applies mm -hmm. to both the offense and the defense when it comes to running the ball. This definitely works out well because the Bills have not been defending the run well for the past three weeks. A far cry from what the team looked like earlier in the season, but I'm not one to make excuses. You, you know that I am the last person to say, oh, well, injuries are the reason this happened or that happened. But I think we have to be honest. Gregory Rousseau, Tremaine Edmonds... Jordan Poyer, those injuries are making an impact on the team, and we're, we're seeing it in a couple of different ways. We're seeing them look a little sloppier with the backups on the field, uh, step slower, and a little less tough. They're not as tough as they were with those guys uh, on the field, and you saw that in the last game when, really, when Tremaine Edmonds left and Rousseau was out, the Bills had a really hard time slowing the Vikings down and it's a little worrisome because let's be honest the Cleveland Browns have a good offensive line they have good running backs they do they can establish that line of scrimmage they can try to establish what they want to do with the ground game I will say Jamie that the Bills I thought did a fairly decent job in slowing down Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison of the Vikings mm -hmm. last week up until that back-breaking 81-yard run that Cook broke off, which happened conveniently enough after Tremaine Edmonds left the game with this nagging groin and heel injury. And it's not going to get any better for the Bills defense on Sunday. They've already been ruled out three key members of the defense. It's Edmonds, a uh, cornerback, Trey White, who is a different story we can talk about um, on another podcast, but he will not be there on Sunday. And unfortunately, Russo's ankle is keeping him sidelined um, on this game as well on Sunday. Jamie, it's going to be a tall task for Buffalo um, to try to slow down 
this this ground and pound attack of the Browns because they Cleveland does not want Jacoby Brissett having to make these big plays and right. engineer big comebacks. You know, you saw Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson do that against the Bills defense in the second half on Sunday of last week, but I don't think that the Cleveland Browns, you know, playmakers out there um, at the outside, you know, are going to be nearly as nowhere near as uh, threatening as Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson were for, for the Vikings. What's your take on if we know Edmonds isn't out there and we know that the bills have struggled against the run, stopping the run, like what can the, what can Leslie Frazier do kind of take us into your, uh, your expert analysis here. Well, I think what they're going to have to do is really play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. And I foresee the Browns using their tight end, David Njoku, for the purpose of putting, it's probably going to be Dodson, Terrell Dodson on the field uh, at linebacker. They're going to use the tight end to put him in conflict. And they're, they're going to do the same with whoever the backup safety that's going to be starting this week is going to be in place of Jordan Poyer. Or is Poyer going to be back on the field? Poyer is questionable, but he has not been ruled out as of yet. So I think that there's a good chance um, that Poyer will will play. I mean, again, he's questionable right now. Um, and the Bills did bring – I mean, I, I almost wonder too – Jamie, is this the week that, you know, if, if Poyer um, for some reason is not able to go with that elbow injury, we got to see more of Dean Marlowe. I would right? think, right. I mean, why, why would you trade for this guy, even if it only was a seventh rounder, to not use him? And the same thing goes for Naheem Hines on the other side of the football. But I want to give a lot of credit as much as he is being crushed on social media with Marlowe not playing a lot. I thought Cam Lewis held up fairly well outside yeah. of that boneheaded play on the fourth and 18, where he just didn't volleyball spike the ball to the ground that Jefferson pulled down for the catch of the year. But I thought Cam Lewis adequated himself very well uh, to being a safety in his first career start there. So I thought he played a lot better than Jaquan Johnson, who had a nightmare of a game. Oh, Jaquan Johnson isn't going to see the field too much going forward. Yeah. You- Clearly, he's going to even be fighting for a a spot on the roster next year, which he may not get. He's going to be a free agent. Um, But anyway, going back to what you were saying about defending the run, I think that they're probably going to bring a safety down into the box more often than they did before and dare Jacoby Brissett to try to beat them over the top. And the Browns, they have Amari Cooper. He's good, but... A wide receiver is only going to be as good as the person throwing them the ball. And I think that you're going to see the Bills, they're, they're going to say there's only one way you're go, we're going to allow you to beat us, and that's by throwing the ball. And they're going to bring the extra guys in the box and see what that does. Because uh, let's face it, even though the Browns are going to try to spread you out with three wide, I, I'm not terribly worried about two of their three receivers. Yeah, Amari Cooper is definitely the main playmaker you have to watch out for, you know, on the outside for Jacoby Brissett. But I feel like, Jamie, this is a a familiar script for the Bills defense. And I think it's a good opportunity to kind of get right, which might make you scratch your head. Wait, why would taking on a dynamic running team be a chance for the Bills to get right? Well, I think the Bills have to have learned some lessons off of how their defense has failed to stop the run uh, of late. What is Cleveland do so well 
when they run the ball. They like to go on the outside zone plays with their runs. And the Bills have seen a lot of this Mm -hmm. set up this season. You know, this is where the running back basically sees where the defense flows to the point of attack, where the opening might be, and then uh, has an option to go cut up or go up between the tackle or off the guard. You know, it's it's a situation where the Bills have seen a lot of this this year. Mm -hmm. And I know that not having Rousseau is going to be tough, but this is going to come down to me both bringing an extra man in the box, whether it's Jordan Poyer, whether it's Cam Lewis or Dean Marlowe, whoever starts at the other safety spot. But the DNs have to get their firm edges set. They Mm -hmm. have to get it, make it an almost impossible situation for the back to get outside. And I know that means gap integrity. They've got to disrupt the offensive line schemes. They've got to disrupt the blocking flow. And they've got to make it so that Hunt and Chubb cannot get outside. Give them the runs up the gut. Give them the runs between the guards, but do not let them break this outside because when they do, they are dangerous. Yeah, and that's something that worries me because the Bills have had issues with gap integrity. I'm so glad you brought that up. Physicality and gap integrity are things that they suddenly are struggling with, including Daquan Jones, who is amazing at at the defensive tackle spot. He's getting moved off of his position and and pushed around a little bit. This could be a week where they really do miss Rousseau, but I have to be honest, I would much rather be without these guys against the Browns who, okay, sure, they can run the ball well, but they're not the most explosive team. They're three and six, and they were absolutely destroyed by Miami last week. Yeah, that was a a gashing 37 to 19. The, uh, Browns fell victim to Tua and the Dolphins. And I think that this is a good opportunity for the Bills to show, you know, what they've learned. I think this is a big, this is a major opportunity too for Matt Milano to continue to justify uh, his contract extension. You know, Milano is a very good run Mm -hmm. stuffer and he's clearly going to be Buffalo's, you know, best linebacker out there. Um, I feel like with him and also, you know, as much as um, Tyrell Dodson and Terrell Bernard you know, looked lost uh, last week versus the Vikings. The Bills did something to address their linebacking core. And he's not a world beater, but I think it's important to have A.J. Klein back in the mix because what does A.J. Klein do well? He stuffs the run. Mm -hmm. He's also not a bad blitzer, but boy, is he a liability against the pass. He really is, but I feel like with, again, this is a good week to have Klein out there because, so what the Bills are going to have to do is, again, get that pressure, maintain their gap integrity when it comes to, you know, getting after the offensive line and and shedding their blocks. And Ed Oliver had a phenomenal performance uh, last week against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings defense. And we know what Von Miller is going to bring uh, with his ability to get after the quarterback (laughs) and disrupt things along the offensive line. I think this sets up well, Jamie, because the bills can do a lot of eight man in the box looks Mm -hmm. and almost dare Brissett to beat them with his arm, because that's exactly what you want to do. If you're Leslie Frazier, especially knowing the positive trends of Kyrie Elam towards playing on Sunday, it's looking pretty likely that Elam's going to play. I think Jordan Poyer is going to play in some limited capacity and just getting those guys back will help so much in, in curing what ails the uh, the Bills on defense right now. Yes. Getting players back healthy. Oh, my God. You know, had this discussion recently with someone else, uh, that being Big Newt, 
They say, well, when all these players get back, they'll be fine. And I'm saying no, because attrition just means that when somebody comes back, someone else is going to get injured. It's, you know, the nature of the beast in the NFL. However, more bodies in the secondary bodes well because I'm under the impression that the Bills are going to want to play quite a bit of man-to-man coverage in this game. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You think they're going man-to-man or zone? I almost feel like with the lack of, you know, I would never want to go against Justin Jefferson one-on-one in a man no. zone, a man defense. But I'm not worried as much about Amari Cooper. Again, he's a really good receiver, but look at his numbers here. He's got 42 catches, 585 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. He's a talent, but he's not a game breaker like a Jefferson was. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if the Bills want to go to a man this week, it's a good week for it, especially if you're able to get the strength of your players at the back end of Poyer and uh, Kyer Elam starting again, too. I, and David Njoku is a good tight end. He can be a physically imposing tight end, mm-hmm. but he's dealing with a pretty bad ankle injury, I believe, that's kind of limiting his mobility downfield too. So, you know, this might be a situation where Cleveland is going to come in with a strong ground game orientation. And if the Bills take that away, I give the edge to Buffalo when it comes to slowing down the, the Browns passing game all day of the week. 100%. We know that they the Browns block well, but... I'm feeling good about Von Miller lining up no matter what side of the line of scrimmage he's on, but uh, Jedrick Willis, Jedrick Wills, sorry, and Joel Batonio are over on the left side. Uh, I think you're probably going to see, you're probably going to see a lot of AJ Klein on the left side. And then on the right side, you've got Wyatt Teller and Jack Conklin, good players, but that's who Von Miller is probably going to line up over. Miller is going to get his. The man will eat. And earlier you said you know what Von Miller is going to bring. And I started laughing because I could only think of one word. It. He's going to bring <laughs> it. Because <laughs> he always does. The dude makes game-changing plays. Oh, he's completely justified that contract that Buffalo gave him. He's a difference maker out there. And and really the bills are going to need it again because so the other um, wideouts for Jacoby Brissett, Donovan Peoples Jones and David Bell. Now Peoples Jones can erupt. He can have a good game. He's got some decent speed to him. He's also a decent deep threat. Um, if Brissett wants to go over the top, but I think the bills corners and secondary members can take away those aspects of the offense. And then it comes down to, of course, again, containing Chubb and Hunt. And as good as Cleveland's offensive line is, I think the Bills can have their way, um, especially like we said, setting the edge, gap integrity, and blowing up the blocking schemes and causing chaos. Mm -hmm. That is what we're looking for when it comes to Cleveland's offense. I still can't get over the fact that it's Jacoby Brissett quarterbacking this team. Um, much like the Colts game with the Snover time in Buffalo. He happens to be a man where things follow him around, and here comes this big snowstorm. Jamie, let's flip the script here on Bill Leave, because I think one of the biggest, besides the fact that Buffalo's defense gets to benefit taking on Cleveland in a dome to contain the ground game, The offense benefits just as much with that shift in the elements. Let me put a theory out there for you about why I think Josh Allen and the offense are going to erupt on Sunday. 
Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Like th- this, this excites me. I need to hear this. <laughs> so here's why. So Josh Allen has, is very hard on himself when it comes to his poor games. And he's on a two game streak with four turnovers in the red zone. That is unbelievably uncharacteristic of Buffalo's pro bowl quarterback. But unlike last week, where I'm sure 90% of Josh's preparation for the Vikings game was, is my elbow ready? Can I physically handle the stresses of getting out there and directing this offense? This week is different. This week, Josh, I believe, has firmly poured himself into the game film, watching the highlights and the lowlights, and obsessing over the mistakes that he made. When you give Josh Allen a full week to look at what he did wrong the week before, you better believe he's going to correct it. His attention was divided last week. This week, it's solely focused on getting the offense back on track. I am looking forward to seeing what this offense is able to do, especially with starting corner Greg Newsom ruled out for this game. The Browns can be had via the pass defense. They've been getting worse and worse throughout the year. Watch out Cleveland. I think Josh Allen is going to get his. He's going to feast on Sunday. Well, I hope that is the case. And you make a very, you make a very strong argument. But I think what we're fighting at this point, Josh Allen is in his head. He had a bad half against Green Bay, and he's taken that to the field with him ever since. And things have gotten worse, and it's more in his head and more in his head with everything that goes wrong. At the end of the last game, you had him fumble in the end zone. That's a brain fart. Okay, fine. You can still win the game. Then he throws another terrible interception. His interceptions have been awful. His decision-making has been questionable. He is pressing. And it's affecting his play. Can he get back to being Josh Allen and just running around and having fun the way we've always seen in the past? I'm hoping so. I think what he's got to do, Jamie, and you're right. I mean, Josh is totally pressing. He is in his head, but I think he's got to get back to, and he, I, I, I read a story that had a quote with Josh Allen where he was talking about one of the reasons he thinks he's been pressing is going back to high school and going back to college at Wyoming he has had to be the man who makes everything happen. He's the stir that stirs the drink, you know, uh, the straw that stirs the drink. It gets the offense running like that is what Josh Allen does. He's got to get back to taking what's in front of him, to taking the smaller throws and not thinking like, oh, it's second down and 10 in overtime. I have to get Gabe Davis on this post to win the game. Take what's in front of you. You know, they also there's a lot I think that the Bills can do to simplify it for Josh Allen and get him out of his head a little bit more. I think you've got to see a lot more of those creative, like pre-motion sets on offense where you get like Isaiah McKenzie or Gabe Davis running on a jet motion or a jet sweep. You've got to use Dawson Knox more, especially in the red zone. The Bills have become very one-dimensional, and that one dimension is awesome in Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs, but they've got to open things up. And I think that's why... You could see Dawson Knox have a really good performance this week. I like the Bills to deploy Naheem Hines a lot more. In fact, I was talking to a buddy about this last night at a little get-together while our wives were uh, chatting about babies and their work. He and I were chatting about the Bills, which is you know our profession and our love. And it was like, 
what if the Bills did this on Sunday? Knowing that they only have four active receivers, why not spread out Naheem Hines in the slot? Why not get Singletary and Cook in the backfield at the same time with like a Dawson Knox and a Stephon Diggs and really challenge Cleveland to be like, okay, what are we going to do here? Who's mm-hmm. going to get the ball? Because if you got those playmakers spread out there, it's going to be really hard to focus on just one person to neutralize. Yes. And I, I like that you mentioned that because play calling is an issue. And we're seeing that it's, you know, they they run a lot of follow concepts. Whatever happened to throwing to Dawson Knox? What happened to throwing to backs out of the backfield? Screens. We're not seeing these things. The Bills have traded for a good running back who should be touching the ball a heck of a lot more than he has to this point. Is he having a hard time learning the playbook? You know, and that's the thing, too. It's like, I don't know whether the Bills had to know what they were getting when they traded for Hines. Maybe you just simplify things and say, hey, look, we're going to have you run these angle passes out of the backfield or these little curls in the flat something to do with maybe even getting there like again the flood routes which they love to do in goal to go situations I think if you open up the playbook more that's going to help with the playmakers who make plays for Josh Allen downfield and they've got to find a way to get more people involved besides the man Stefan Diggs because Diggs is going to eat he's going to get his but you got to get the balance back on this offense. And I think that a lot of what their struggles are too, Jamie comes down to the red zone woes. Um, The bills have been awful this year. They're 21st in the NFL in red zone scoring percentage. That's touchdowns only through their first 10 games. They're getting into the end zone at only a 53% clip last year. They were first in the league at 66.3% of the time they would score touchdowns in the red zone. And point blank, that comes down to Josh Allen being careless with the ball, not putting his guys in position to succeed. But play calling is a lot of that struggle too. You're just not seeing the creativity in the red zone with Ken Dorsey that we saw with Brian Dayball. It's 100% true. And when you combine a lack of play calling creativity with a quarterback who has been all too willing to hand it over to the other team via interceptions. Josh Allen leads the NFL in INTs at this point in the season. Most of them have come in the red zone. That's not good. So if they can be smarter with the ball and call better plays, it's not asking a lot. Don't throw to guys who are covered. Don't throw the ball when no... You know, don't throw the ball into the field of play when nobody's open. Live to fight another day, guys. Live to fight another day. And and I think, Jamie, a part of that, a big part of that is the Bills, again, went away from the running game versus Minnesota. Now, I'm not saying they were lighting the world on fire, but the Bills had effective run plays drawn up. And even that uh, fourth quarter situation when the Bills uh, eschewed the field goal to go for a touchdown on fourth and two, you know, that play, mm-hmm. the the overtime drive when they had a second and two and Josh Allen decided to throw the interception. The Bills have to get better at running the ball. And I, I want to take to yep. task the interior of the offensive line. They Good. have been awful. And I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You've been saying this for a long time. The Bills need to come up with a way 
to make it more effective for them to run behind the guards and Roger Saffold and Ryan Bates and Mitch Morris. I'm looking at you guys. The interior offensive line has really let down this offense this year. And it hasn't just been the hasn't just been on running plays too. You see dudes breaking through the line of scrimmage left and right. Now, Mitch Morris is not a an anchor and shove kind of dude. He's He's fast. So his job is to pull and get out ahead of the running backs. But the other guys, what are they doing out there? According to Joe Buscalia, Roger Saffold is the lowest rated player on the Buffalo Bills. And you know who's right behind him? Ryan Bates. Yeah. Knew it. When you look at it, Jamie, I'm going to give Bruce Nolan a lot of credit. He put together a pretty good opinion piece on Buffalo rumblings, talking about the failures on the interior offensive line. Buffalo's average yards per rush when going anywhere between the left guard to the right guard is well below four yards per carry. At some point they're getting 3.1 yards per carry when they go between the left guard and the right guard. And they're getting hit after a lot of contact as well, which means they're not even getting a chance. I mean, the fact that Devin Singletary has been as successful as he has running the ball is a sheer testament to what he's able to do after getting Mm -hmm. hit, after taking that contact. That is not sustainable, my friend. No, absolutely not. You you want to see your running backs get at least three yards before the defense puts a hat on them. If they're getting hit at or behind the line of scrimmage, I don't care how good you are. You're not going to play that well. We've seen running backs in Buffalo have that problem. Remember Travis Henry who used to be taken down like a sack of potatoes behind the line of scrimmage all the time? Oh, yeah. It wasn't his fault. It was the offensive line not blocking. Well, we're seeing that. And I'm tired of watching Devin Singletary have to make an unbelievable run just to get four yards. They got to do better. That's where I think, Jamie, if the Bills want to improve, again, I think that it, it, when I say they need to get better with running the ball, you can also credit those short screen passes and pats in the uh, passes in the flat as being similar to the run game. Why not with there being only four active wide receivers? Again, Ken Dorsey, get your backs involved out of the backfield. Devin Singletary has come a long way as a pass catcher. James Cook has that breakout breakthrough speed that you're looking for. And Naheem Hines is a very good dual threat back. Use them, utilize Dawson Knox more. And I think the offensive woes go away because as long as Josh Allen doesn't keep being careless with the ball, he's got the weapons at his disposal and they're going to have to make up for the fact that Gabe Davis is not who we hoped he was going to be. I mean, he's a good wide receiver, but he is nowhere near the Robin to Buffalo's Batman of Stefan Diggs. Right. And remember going into the season, it looked like Gabe Davis was a number two and, and Isaiah McKenzie was a number three. It turns out that we need to push them both back a slot. And it's interesting how much the team actually misses Emmanuel Sanders, isn't it? That is not somebody I thought they were going to miss. And also Cole Beasley. Clearly, Cole was nearing the end of the line. He wanted out of Buffalo. There was a lot of hoopla there, but also he retired. So, you know, the end of his career was on the horizon. And even if he stayed in Buffalo, he may not have made it through an entire season. But boy, they really miss those two. Yeah, it it is. It is. It's unexpected. The 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 losses that 
Sanders and Beasley, especially, I mean, not last year, Beasley, but 2019 and 2020 Beasley was such a, a prolific threat for this offense. Jamie, the Buffalo Bills are sitting here. They're in an interesting position because they're, to my opinion, they're going to have to win out in the AFC East. They've got to go four and zero down the stretch to have a, cause you don't want to be relying on these wacky tiebreakers. And luckily the loss last week, I mean, it hurts, but it's out of conference to an NFC foe. The bills have to get back in the win column and start stacking those wins, especially in the conference. I mean, look, if the bills win on Sunday and a couple of things break their way with the other games, they're going to, they can go from sixth place in the AFC back up to high atop the, not the conference leader, but they can be back up, amongst the AFC the, mm-hmm. uh, champion contenders, but they need to get a win. The bills need to come out and put all of their misery, um, their struggles. I think that the, the, the second half of the Vikings game, the second half, the second half in general, Jamie, this has really become a problem. You know, the bills were gangbusters in the first half for their first six, seven games of the year, but they've really struggled. Do you think Buffalo writes the ship on Sunday against the Browns? They do. Everything is breaking their way. Of course, you would want them to play at home, but they don't need to. They are getting to play on the turf in good uh, good field conditions. This is going to be a game where Buffalo straightens it out. I don't know that they're going to win convincingly, per se, because they're trying to figure some things out, obviously. But the Bills are getting back in the W column. Yeah, I think I think they are too. I think they need to. I think that this is obviously a massive uh, game for the Bills. I, I'm putting this squarely on the offense. This is going to be a time where the Bills are going to outscore Cleveland. They have to do it pretty convincingly because if you get the Browns into a double-digit deficit, they're better suited to abandon the run. And that's mm-hmm. really, again, the, the bread and butter of this offense. I think the Bills find a way. I think getting... Uh, Josh Allen out of his head and playing more committed football with the playmakers that he's got and opening things up and getting Naheem Hines involved more, getting Dawson Knox involved more. This is a get right spot, I think, for Buffalo. And the Bills are really out of mulligans. They cannot lose any more games that they need to win. So I'm going to say Buffalo puts it together. Give me the Bills to win 30 to 19. Oh, that's interesting. I had them at uh, 28-17. That's a close margin right there, buddy. I'll take a two-score <laughs> victory out there, get the Bills, hopefully get their seventh win. And again, if the Bills get a nice win on Sunday and then they're going to play the Lions on Thanksgiving, I mean, again, the Bills have everything in front of them. This is just like last year when they had their mini slide. Let's hope the Bills can find a way to keep the slide to two games and not let it go to three because if they lose this game on Sunday, Jamie – we're going to have a whole different perspective coming up next week uh, yeah. on a short week, too. They need to get this win. Absolutely. It's awfully early for a must-win scenario, but you're right. They can't be losing any more AFC games. This is it, man. Put up or shut up time, boys. And you know what, Buffalo Bills fans? We hope that we're able to get a win to celebrate on Sunday as Buffalo travels to Detroit to take on the Cleveland Browns, the second time in franchise history they have played a regular season game in Detroit that did not feature the Detroit Lions. Please get involved with us on social media. Give us your thoughts on how this game is going to play out. Jamie is a fun follow. He is at the 
Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. I want to thank you, Jamie, for bringing it today, and I want to thank all of our Bills fans for listening to this week's episode of Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Go Bills! We'll be right back. 